Section 14 of Meller of the Silver Hand and Other Stories of the Bright Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Meller of the Silver Hand and Other Stories of the Bright Ages by David Byrne from fold to fold in the happy far-off times of which we write high-born boys did not disdain to keep their father's sheep seldom was the son of the noble unwilling to act as shepherd lad the heir to a great estate sometimes indeed the son of a king would be met leading his father's flocks to pasture or guarding them from the ravages of wolves and bears. A sturdy, hardy life it was, making for health and beauty and personal bravery, making often enough for learning and piety and for a true estimate of the value of things temporal and eternal. For at that time people were not compelled to consider the cause and cure of something that these days is called civilization. The extravagances and barbiturates, the luxuries and artificialities of our days were happily unknown to men who lived lives that were at once simple and noble, and who died deaths that were not unfrequently blissful and saintly. If an army of writers devoted their time to the study and the relation of all the benefits bestowed upon the world by the monastic orders, and particularly that of St. Benedict, they would not be able to put on record more than a scanty history of all the known good that these holy monks effected. Yet, in comparison with the unknown, how small is known! Only the angels of God could write the full and complete history of any Christian nation. Happily, that which we know is so abundant and leads us into such a labyrinth of golden deeds that we have little need to speculate upon the value of the unrecorded works and words, prayers and penances of holy men of old. Valerie was the son of a gentleman of Auvergne, in a strangely varied district he kept his father's sheep, a region of old volcanic caves and exhausted craters now filled with water and forming big circular pools. Yet could Valerie lift his eyes to the blue hills and venture into the deep solitude of vast plain forests, finding abundant pasture for his sheep and learning little by little to love the lonely shepherd life that brought him, as it were, face to face with the Creator? Like many a lad of his own time and later times, he soon began to experience great longings for, he knew not what. The heart of the boy became restless. Big desires possessed him, desires of knowing and of loving the author of all the grandeur that daily greeted his sight. Above all things he desired a knowledge of letters, since this would open out to him all the beauty of the book of nature and the book of the Gospels. Now and then, when he was going home to 
his father's house after a day's shepherding he would meet boys of his acquaintance returning from the monastery school scarcely could he conceal his envy as he reflected that some of these young nobles and peasants were not older than himself yet easily could they read the written word and recite the whole of the grand primer of ancient times the first serious task every little schoolboy applied himself to the glorious book of a hundred and fifty poems many of them written by a king who had once been a shepherd boy but valerie was still very young it may be that his father thought there would be ample time for study in the near future then the fresh open-air life was so good for the child already grown ruddy and strong and sturdy yet in the course of a day's shepherding there was always some unoccupied hours and valerie's father made no objection to his son carrying a tablet and style and since he already knew his alphabet trying to teach himself how to read and write so quite alone and unaided valerie began to trace his letters on the waxen tablet as his sheep browsed peacefully on the mountain side valerie made symbols of letters and words of syllables not content with learning to read and write the boy now began to study the latin grammar one thing he greatly desired and that was to be able to read and reading to learn by heart the hymns of the shepherd king the multiplication of books has meant certainly the diffusion of knowledge but also the weakening of memory that a child should learn by heart the entire psalter and acquire it not merely as a lesson by heart sooner or later to be forgotten but in order to say and to sing every syllable of it correctly seems to us something of a feat yet for hundreds of years the task was looked upon as a very elementary one and as much a matter of course as the learning of an alphabet moreover in some cases it was done with comparative quickness the little boy lanius whose good mother brought him to st patrick who asked st cassan to take charge of and to instruct him learned the whole of david's palms in a fortnight adabert of prague learned his psalter before he was sent to school how long this task may have occupied valerie the shepherd of auvergne we do not know but it is certain that as soon as he could read and while he kept his sheep he committed to memory the entire collection of the sacred songs that begin with betus ver and end with laudate donit deum in sanctus what a precious possession for either man or boy valerie's delight and thankfulness knew no bounds wherever he went he could build himself a spiritual temple every tree became to him a choir stall the mountainside served him for an oratory the deep valley was his minster going out from home or returning at nightfall he could chant and sing in the heat of noontide he could lift heart and voice to god whatever his mood might be this wonderful saltzer supplied him with the words he needed valerie was happier than a regiment of kings 
the dearest desire of his heart had been satisfied the church's big book of prayers was his more really and more intimately than if he owned the beautifully written psalter lent to him by the abbot of st anthony's prayer was now no difficulty to the boy in one psalm or another the deepest sentiments of his heart could always find expression they were his very own these canticles of praise and of petition these hymns of joy and of sorrow these songs of hope and of love it is any wonder as if one day he chanted the words blessed is he from thou hast chosen and taken to thee he shall dwell in thy courts it is any wonder if he began to think longingly of the abbey of st anthony where his uncle was a monk chosen and taken by god to dwell in his courts valerie was still young and to his father and mother he was exceedingly dear for years perhaps they had noticed the bent of his mind and seen that his affections were set upon things both high and holy to lose him was terrible but they did not oppose his wish to be a monk and after all he was too sweet and gentle too modest and loving to find happiness in a wild lawless world or satisfaction in an inheritance of flocks and herds so on a day that was filled to overflowing with strangely mingled joy and sorrow valerie passed into the silent life of hard study and manual labor and deep prayer as yet he did not go far from home the auvergne that was now and always would be dear to him besides as we have said his own uncle was at st anthony's and it was the most natural thing in the world that valerie should begin his religious apprenticeship among the monks he had so long regarded with affectionate respect here at any rate he spent the time of his noviceship and the years of his early boyhood giving promise of both learning and goodness but in a year or two he went on to the monastery of st onacarius at oxer however the france of those times was full of the report of the wonderful doings of st columbus and the big abbey of luxeuil was attracting to its schools students from every land the fame of the great irish abbot reached the ears of valerie and he began to long to number himself among the monks at luxeuil staff in hand and with one companion named bobo valerie left auxerre and after a toilsome pilgrimage reached that wonderful land of pine forest and blue mountains which reminded him strongly of his own beloved auvergne the novices of luxeuil had a garden that was all their own and of this the holy abbot columbanus made valerie the keeper if the monks had succeeded in nothing but the teaching of the great lesson of the dignity of labor they would have justified their existence in reality they taught their pupils everything that it is good for boy or man to know valerie had come to this far-famed monastery primarily to pray and to study he had also come to work with his hands 
and how well he tended his enclosed garden is a matter of history. So hard did he labor with spade and fork that almost as if by miracle insects and worms, stones and weeds, seemed to be foreign to his garden. To vegetables and to flowers he gave equal care. Not by bread alone do men live, but by every word that is found in God's big book of nature, as well as in the precious legacy of his written word. Brother Valerie loved everything that God had made, and so assiduously did he cultivate sweet-smelling herbs and every kind of perfumed blossom, that what the poet had recorded of Arthur's young knight, Pelis, is literally true of Valerie. The high doors were softly sundered, and through these a youth, Pelis, and the sweet smell of the fields, passed, and the sunshine came along with him. For when one day Valerie entered the great chapter hall, where the abbot was about to explain the sacred scriptures, the odor of fragrant flowers passed in with him, and before all the assembled monks, Columbanus cried out to the gardener brother, It is thou, my well-beloved, who art the true abbot and lord of this monastery. In kitchen and refractory alike, the vegetables from the novice's garden were in high repute. Ever wholesome and sweet-flavored, said the brother cook, were the cabbages and beans grown by Valerie. Ever pleasant to sight and taste, said the hard-faring monks, were the fruits of the earth that seemed to be endowed with a particular benediction through the prayerful toil of Valerie. Happy were the years spent under the saintly rule of Columbus, so happy indeed, and with such practice of solid virtue on the part of the two hundred and twenty monks, that the devil became enraged with envy and began to look about him for some means to destroy the blissfulness of such holy living. In the person of a woman, Satan found a ready tool. Queen Bruinholt smote the holy shepherd and, scattering the entire flock, gave the abbey to seculars. Happily, the havoc wrought by this she-wolf, as she was called, and her infamous grandson, the King of Burgundy, was ultimately repaired. In this work of reparation, Valerie was prominent. Joining himself to a saintly father named Eustace, he began to collect the scattered brethren. Soon they had the joy of taking possession of the fold that was so dear to them, though they never succeeded in recalling their holy abbot. Content as Valerie was to live in monastic peace, the heathenist state of some parts of France caused him and a brother named Waldenin much grief, and soon, with the consent of the Bishop of Amiens and King Clothier III, the two monks started on a missionary expedition to Lucanay, near the mouth of the Somme. Here they built for themselves a small hermitage and some cells. Little by little, other zealous men joined them, and much encouraged by their bishop, who always came to them for the whole of Lent, a flourishing monastery was established. 
its good influence was soon felt throughout the entire district and what had been one of the fastness of satan now became an earthly paradise player valerie was to live and to die honored and loved as much by his flock as by his own religious brethren feared too as well as loved for it was firmly believed that he could read the thoughts of the heart had he not openly rebooked a man who had come to receive holy communion after drinking a measure of wine when father valerie's eyes rested upon the boy who brought loaves and some wine his mother had sent as an offering to the monastery church did he not tremble as father valerie said my child you have eaten of the bread offered to god have you not on your way hither did you not drink a quantity of the wine when valerie broke the pagan images and pulled down little heathen shrines angry as some of the yet unconverted showed themselves they dared not lay hand upon the holy man or upon his little acolyte yet the fowls of the air had no fear of valerie's keen and flashing eye the wild birds not only came and fed from his hand but would stand on it and permit him to stroke their feathers so well they recognized him and so much they sought him that they would fly into the refractory well knowing that they would never be driven forth and that no serving monk would harm them yet the master passion of his heart was a great love for the poor and the afflicted and a sentence constantly upon his lips was the more cheerfully we give to those who are in distress the more readily will god give us what we ask of him rose red grew the face of the holy old man as he wandered about the hills of his last resting place on earth rose red with the fire of the love of god which was ever newly kindled when he looked upon and admired the works of the creator long had he read and pondered upon the ever open pages of the book of nature as a little shepherd lad on the hills of Auvergne, he had looked upon the blue mountains and the shining pools set like mirrors in the great stretches of green pasture and he had found them very good long before he could read the written letters upon the borrowed psalter nay before he knew the meaning of the symbols that made up the alphabet he had gazed upon created beauty with the eye of a christian poet and it had led his soul to dwell with ever-increasing fondness upon the uncreated beauty of the divinity one saturday he walked out with a company of his monks and as they climbed a little hill that he had always loved and frequented he paused at the foot of a certain tree and said to his brethren very sweetly my children remember that here is the spot i have chosen for my burial and on the following day the twelfth of december six hundred and twenty two the lord's own day of rejoicing the holy man fell asleep and passed into his everlasting rest like so many other holy monks he gave his name to the town of which his abbey was the beginning saint valerie sur somme 
was one of the most prosperous ports of the Channel during the Middle Ages. Both Hugh Capet and William the Conqueror had great regard for the memory of St. Valery. End of section 14. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.